Uh, on Thursday evening, I had more or less finished writing this sermon, but I thought, I just, I need a little story just to sort of make it personal, something to start with. But I couldn't think of a clear, slightly humorous example of when I had recently been driven to anger. So I thought, I'll, t- I'll take a moment. I'll just put the sermon to one side. I've got some DIY that needs finishing. Um, so, uh, so I went to, uh, to my garage, unlocked the padlock with the, the little key, um, went inside, put the key down on top of my toolbox, got the tools and the, the pieces of uh, things that I need to put up, uh, walked out of there, shut the garage door, closed the padlock, said, oh, my drill bits, I've forgotten them, turned back to find a locked garage door with the only padlock key on the inside. And as the anger began to to bubble up inside me, the anger at that stupid key for being on the wrong side of the door, the anger at this door for blocking me from my quarry, the anger at the price of bolt cutters in this economy, and most of all, the anger at myself for being so foolish, I thought, thank you, Lord, that'll do nicely. Some of the wisdom of Proverbs is unique to the Judeo-Christian experience. How we can live well under the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But other bits of Proverbs point towards wisdom that is so ubiquitous to the human experience that you find similar sayings from every culture across time. Such as, Anger impairs judgment just as the morning mist creates a hazy covering on the sunlight from the Bhagavad Gita. How much more grievous are the consequences of anger than the causes of it? Marcus Aurelius. Often it is that anger is blind to the truth from a book of ancient Viking wisdom, a culture not known for their calmness, but nonetheless recognizing the risks of anger. Confucius, the Quran, ancient Egyptian wisdom, Buddha, indigenous American, Greek, and even the modern source of deepest wisdom in our culture today, celebrity Instagram stories, all have their own wisdom to share with us about anger. Ecclesiastes tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. And the truth of that is seldom clearer than when we consider the experiences and consequences of anger. Since time began, people have got angry. People have acted in that anger, and people have regretted acting in that anger. And Proverbs, as we saw, is unequivocal. To act from a place of anger is not wise. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. But while the experience of anger and its effects might be universal to all cultures, Scripture nonetheless does have a unique perspective on anger. More on that later. First, I want us to consider what anger actually is, and I hope you will indulge the psychologist in me. Anger is what psychologists call a core emotion. There are only six of these. All other emotions sort of stem from bits of them. Sadness, happiness, fear, surprise, disgust, and anger. And when a person experiences a core emotion, they trigger physiological responses in our body. So for anger, 
part of that response is this big, uh, big release of adrenaline. So you might have heard the, of the fight or flight response, and that's tied into this. When you're getting angry, your body needs to do something. Your mouth goes dry, your vision gets hazy around the edges, your muscles start to tremble because they're getting ready for action. So why am I sharing the science with you? Because we should understand that anger in itself isn't a bad thing. God made our bodies and minds to work this way. This reaction to negative stimuli, the preparedness to do something, is actually a very helpful human trait. It's kept many, many of us alive over the years. Besides, when we look at scripture, our theology has to acknowledge that anger can exist without it being sinful. Jesus was without sin. And yet, Jesus clearly got angry such as when he chased the money changers out of the temple grounds. And many of us might have also felt a similar anger to injustices that we witness, seeing someone be bullied, identifying a system that defrauds other people, or a leader that lies, or a power that manipulates. Sometimes anger can be the voice of God. So anger can be helpful. Anger can be righteous. Anger can be from God. But, as Proverbs tells us, anger can be troublesome. You see, that massive surge of adrenaline preparing you for action, um, it means you can act much, much faster than normally when your body's full of adrenaline. But... If you get too much of adrenaline in your mind, it diverts resources towards that preparedness and away from the other parts of your brain that deal with things like clear, logical, emotionally intelligent thought. So in other words, when you're angry, you make terrible decisions, but you make them really, really quickly as well. <clears throat> or to put it another way, 29 verse 22, an angry person stirs up conflict. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And here's the other thing. A big rush of adrenaline is followed by lots of its sister hormone, dopamine. Dopamine is the one that makes you feel really, really good. It calms you back down after your anger. And for some people, that feeling alone can encourage the angry reaction next time. And the time after that, and after that, forming a habit of anger, maybe even an addiction to it. Before we know it, we aren't just someone who has occasional useful angry responses that keep us alive and keep us safe. One day, we might look in the mirror and see an angry person, someone who curses under their breath at their co-worker's ineptitude someone who yells at other cars on the road, someone who automatically believes the worst about other people and their motivations. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person or associate with the easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So... Where on earth is the line? How can we tell the difference between good, helpful, righteous anger or bad, foolish, potentially addictive anger? Ephesians 4 says 
in your anger, do not sin. It's about what we do with our anger. The verse acknowledges that anger will come, but we should not let our choices about what to do next be influenced only by that anger. That's easier said than done, of course. I've already said that logical thought is tough when you're angry. So here's my practical suggestion. Make for yourself a little shortcut, a litmus test, if you like. Jesus has actually already given us a framework that we can use to think about the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. Love God, love your neighbor. So when you feel anger rising up, quickly ask yourself, does what I'm about to do reflect a love for God? Does what I'm about to say reflect a love of neighbor, particularly the neighbor I'm about to say it to? Ready for the hard one? Is what I'm thinking about this person loving to them? So Jesus teaches in this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, starting at verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Raka, by the way, is, is a really hard word to translate, which is why they leave it in Aramaic. Scholars think it literally means something like empty head. Um, but the word is de- delivered with, with venom, like the onomatopoeia to it, like raha. Um, that actually they think that culturally it would have been more like uh, a really bad swear word um, uh, in terms of how it would actually be used, which is why it's, it's sort of um, why you'd be answerable to the court if you said it to somebody. Jesus tells us that it's not just what we do and what we say in our anger, it's also what we think about the person. And the distinction is this, and and this is what Jesus is getting at by referencing name-calling. Are we using our anger, internal or external, to dehumanize another person? See, when we're angry at someone, we're at risk of not treating them like a person that God loves anymore. Instead, we call them a name or we think of them only in terms of their behavior or, or lump them in as just part of a category. And that is where we cross the line into sin. That's what we must not do. And here's the rub. It doesn't matter if they deserve it. Once more, it doesn't matter if somebody is being annoying, pig-headed, self-absorbed, ignorant, condescending, rude. They might have abhorrent political beliefs. They might even drive slowly in the overtaking lane on the motorway. They might be fully deserving of our contempt, but we aren't at liberty to give it. We are called to a higher law as followers of Jesus. As we begin towards a conclusion, I want to invite us all to consider our own anger. Not only how we manage our anger to people right in front of us, though, 
as we've heard from Proverbs and from Jesus, this is critically important. However, in contemporary society, I would argue that face-to-face anger is probably the easiest type of anger to manage because we can see it. What I want us also to think about is how we are enticed to anger by sources of media around us. See, in the fairly recent past, it was discovered that an angry consumer is an engaged consumer. So, for example, you might see a headline that makes your blood boil, uh, and that means you're much more likely to buy that newspaper, stay on that channel, click that link. It's all worth lots of money to someone. MIT in Boston, the the, the famous university, did a study recently on Twitter, and it was discovered that that fake tweets that are designed to make you angry spread around the internet six times faster than true ones that are rational and nuanced. Our anger has become a commodity. I I wanted to give an example of this. Pop, pop one up on the screen there. So I spent 20, 25 minutes on Thursday scrolling through Twitter and looking at the day's newspaper headlines. Um, And by the end of it, my emotional state had gone from calm to incensed to utterly furious. So I'm afraid I don't have a tweet or a headline to put up there. But had I thought about this in advance, I would have just connected my arm to a blood pressure monitor and we could have put the graph up there. The truth is there are some really smart people out there working hard to try and get us to be angry. Pushing you to think angry things about those people over there. Taking part in an online mob directed at an individual who's messed up somehow. Make the worst possible assumptions about people who disagree with you. Now, turning back to Jesus' words, most of us are probably quite good at not calling other people bad names in our day-to-day lives. But are we as anger-free and gracious about the people we read about in our newspapers? It's much easier to dehumanize someone when they aren't right in front of you, when they're a name on a screen. So much easier. But we are called to a higher law. So my question for you is this. Where and when do you find yourself getting angry at people? Has it crept in? Have you become so used to it you don't notice it anymore? Are you allowing your paper, your TV, your social media to instruct you to be angry? What source of anger might God be asking you to reassess today? Back to Matthew 5, Jesus immediately goes on to say this. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus can't teach about anger without pointing on towards reconciliation because reconciliation is at the very center of God's heart. Healing of the pain and the divisions caused by our historic anger. 
So my second challenge for you is this. Is there reconciliation that needs to take place between you and someone else? If so, I invite you to take the space created by the rest of this service, maybe take some more time later today, speak to God about it. Let him lead you into reconciliation and freedom from the effects of past anger. Amen.